You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the sick fan. Hey, grump, you're going to have a hallucinating opioid-induced uh, cranky fan tonight as I am struggling to get through a respiratory infection, so my medicine includes opiates. So yeah. I will probably be missing the first four games of the next uh, NFL season. <laughs> It's a different, different, uh, you know, healthcare system in Indiana, I guess. I guess so. Man. Straight to meth if you have like a, you know, any sort of illness. Well, they were mixing it in the bathtub, so I wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> um, so today is the last day of our um, draft prospect preview sort of episodes, um, and then you know, you know we're we're nine days away from the draft as of you are yeah, listening I'm- to this. I've had a really good time going through this. You know, it's very good. You know, you've done fantastic analysis on your film study and your analysis of everything. The one thing Thank I'm you. not going to be upset about is listening to all this nonsense and chatter. Oh, yeah. Basically, nobody has anything to talk about anymore. Now it's just 100% rumorville. And, you know, well, I'm sure next week we'll talk about, you know, what our final thoughts are going to be heading into the draft. And I think you have a something special for us on draft day, what you're going to do. Yeah, so I'm going to be posting live on Twitter my reaction. Uh, right away, I'll be recording a quick little video, maybe if if I'm incredibly emotional about a, a stupid pick or you know, if I'm glowing about it or maybe just my review if it was a guy that I didn't cover or maybe thought I should cover more of. You know, I, I'll be giving you my instant feedback, which is pretty awesome. I've never done that before, so. Yeah, I mean that's going to be, you know, first of all, wear your safety glasses, everybody. So. I mean, are you going to also, I mean, obviously, as we're just discussing this now, as you can't tell since we're such a finely produced broadcast, are you going to try to put each of the videos up on like YouTube or something or just tweet them out? And- no, I think I'm just going to tweet them out because they're going to be a little bit instant. I wouldn't put anything too much permanent out there. You know what I mean? It's not – these aren't going to be rehearsed or anything like that. This is going to be my instant reaction based on my analysis. Um, and I could be completely wrong. I mean the world was totally wrong about – you know. <laughs> Jokel and uh, Eric Flowers, for that matter. So, yeah. you know, it it's just my initial reaction uh, for those who maybe don't know a lot about a guy. I remember, you know, for instance, we were at the Giants draft party at MetLife Stadium when Eli Apple was picked, and there were a fair amount of dummies who had never even heard of him. I mean, that's an extreme case, but, you know, just in general, for people who are not as aware as guys coming out of college or maybe you only pay attention to your team's conference or something like that. Right, right. I don't take – you know, I've also been to the Nick draft at uh, Madison Square Garden. They drafted Christos Przingis, and people were ready to burn the garden down, and kids were crying. And I think everybody – oh, yeah, that was – you know, because they didn't know who he was. People were super pissed. Now, if we did that draft again, I think people may not be super pissed. No, I don't think so at all. One last, one last little bit of uh, housekeeping before we get started on this. Um, yeah. The NHL playoffs are going on right now, and my Tampa Bay Lightning are playing the Grumps New Jersey Devils in right now. We're up 2-0. I'm sure he owes me something. We made some massive bet, probably four or five digits, which I will collect on, so. Well, they haven't played at home yet, and uh, I will say one of my favorite things about hockey is playoff hockey. Um, it's a whole different ball game, 
Um, I've been to a playoff hockey game a long time ago when I was a kid, but I can tell you the the vibe and energy you get from a home game in playoff hockey is something else. There's a real home ice advantage. Um, and it's it's one of the things I love about football uh, is that home field advantage, that home crowd. And, and my favorite football the game that Cranky Fan and I have ever been to was that home win against the Atlanta Falcons. It was just a whole different, confident, diehard fan kind of vibe. It wasn't that like people planning to beat the rush hour traffic or, you know. No, no, no. You're staying for 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think, if you're winning on this little topic real quick, uh, my favorite Giants game I've been to at MetLife Stadium slash Giants Stadium had to be that 2000 NFC Championship game against Minnesota. The 41 nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, was that even a game? Well, the thing about it is, you know, I'm sure Giant fans remember this. We were the one seed going into that, and we were underdog. Yeah, you know, that was horrible. Remember, oh, this is the, the cliche went around was this is the worst one seed ever, blah, blah, blah. And to beat the holy piss out of a a smack talking team and have my boy Ike Hilliard have like 930 yards receiving in that game was was fantastic. So that was one of those games where you knew it was over by halftime. And you just didn't want to leave. Like, Oh, you know, no. You relish in that. Let's, let's play another half, boys. Yeah. So. We're going to get into the specialist section here. Uh, we're not going to cover return men. I covered a little bit of that when we did wide receivers and corners. So I, I think in this day and age, too, where you're trying to utilize a 53-man roster as much as you can, you want them not just to be a specialist but someone that could be you know, a receiver, a corner, a running back, or, or something also. So I don't really think we're going to spend much time looking like in the fourth round to take a kick returner or a punt returner. So Right. And, you know— I, I have some limited amateur ability to rate and evaluate college prospects at certain positions. But when it comes to these guys, punters, kickers, and long snappers, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, the cranky fan knows a lot more. So what would you say is like when when you watch the college game, what you notice about punting and kicking? Um, I notice the really good teams, first of all, have their starters play as blockers. Interesting. You know, that was it. That was a big Urban Meyer thing with the Gators back in the 2000s where I don't care if you were the starting running back or the starting linebacker, you were in kickoff return coverage and you were or you were blocking or you were doing something. So quite often kick return, punt returns in college game are just who has the better athletes up front. And then, you know, the disparity between your skill position guys and your you know defensive guys in college is so big that, you know, a guy like a Percy Harvin or, you know, mm-hmm. a Deion Sanders or, you know, any of these guys are just, you know, they're such better athletes in, in, than what they're facing. So I'm not exactly sure it really translates as much from the college to the pro game just because they are superior freaks and the, the playing field a lot more level in the pro game. What do you think about punters and kickers specifically? Punting is the biggest difference I notice going to a college game versus a pro game. You know, everything is kind of relative when you're watching, you know, blocking and, and, you know, quarterback arm strength. Obviously, you'll see some guys in college like this guy's not an NFL arm. But you will notice in the NFL, like just watching warmups, like I go to, you know, as many college, if not more college games and pro games in a year. You know, it's probably split between nine and seven. But you just notice that every single punt in the NFL during warmups are – you know, the five or 10 best punts you've seen in college all year. You, 
a shank in the NFL is still a slightly below average kick in college. You know, a shank in college is seven yards. I mean, how you really never see that in the NFL. But you know, these high end over end, just majestic rainbows. You very, very rarely see that in college. And the best punters, like the Gators, had Johnny Townsend this year, who has got gang raped by not even being nominated for the Ray Guy Award this year. I think he's the best punter in college. Comparing him to like comparing to the best guys in the NFL, it's a little night and dayish. So, well, yeah, let's go into it. So. The, the New York Giants currently have Austin Recco as the only punter on the roster. I believe he signed like a reserves futures contract or something like that. But, you know, that's sort of besides the point. The, the idea here is that they cut Brad Wing. They have no punter on the roster. Um, there was some brief speculation that Marquette King, when he was released by the Raiders, could come there. And I would have been all for that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – I don't know what the philosophy is right now. I think they're just going to kind of wait. I mean, it's a position that's so unique where it's not like you have to kind of gel with the offensive line or understand a new terminology in the defense or learn a playbook. It's you do your thing. Yeah. You hike, catch, kick. So it's not as critical that on, you know, we're taping this on a Monday, nine days before the draft that we have the kicker on opening day on this roster. It may not be important. We have it after OTAs. You know, after the June cuts, you know, maybe after even, uh, you know, after the first couple of games of preseason, I know it will be something that will very quickly escalate into a concern with fans. Oh, yeah. If they see if they see shabby place kicking and punting, that's going to be one of those things like what is Gettleman doing? You know, you know I, that's something that could become unnecessary noise. and It's just noise. But the fact is the. Delta between an average NFL punter and the greatest NFL punter is not so great that you have to waste a high round draft pick or lots of cap money on one. Well, well, let's talk about Florida as an example. Uh, I, I want to talk about the actual Ray Guy Award winner, Michael Dixon from Texas, but let's stick with Florida for a minute because we, we've yes. talked at length about how the similarities between these two teams was was almost uh, uncanny. I, I mean, scary. An, an offense that couldn't do jack shit. Um, a defense that was trying to do everything and then eventually would just wear down. And then got in and injuries impacted both. Right, right. But I think the starkest difference was the special teams play from Florida and the New York Giants. So Johnny Townsend, uh, you know, averaged 47.5 yards per punt in 2017 with a long of 70. I mean, those are NFL numbers. Uh, and you remember something, too, that put a little asterisk next to that. He wasn't pooch punting that often to, like, you know, you know, quite often this offense was so bad it was three and out from the twenty-five yard line. And he had to boom it. You know, no directional punting for this guy. It was just blast. So his numbers are even higher than you know what normally were. So he he just had a cannon and he he flipped the field so many times for this team where quite frankly they desperately needed it. Yeah, I was going to say what what value do you then put on that? I mean, how much did that change the season for the Gators in terms of games where they were in it when probably shouldn't have been because they had the field flipped. Or eh, very little, very little. Not really. No, I mean, when we got towards, you know, by the time McElwain got fired and passed the Georgia game, it didn't really matter. This team had quit, and the injuries are mounting so badly, you know, it didn't really matter much. Well, let me let me flip it back even further. What about 2016? You know, same sort of issues where the, when an offense that wasn't really that great 
but a much more successful Gators team in general? And how much should flipping the field help that team? That was critical because, again, the, the offense was just as bad. Much, much, much better defense, too. Yeah. So you were able to contain a three and out, and then you can pin guys back. So the 2016 Florida team definitely relied on defense and special teams. And we're going to get in a second. Well, I don't want this to become just, just, giant, uh, just Gators, but you know, having a field goal kicker who left early because he was so good and having the best punter in the, in the country shortens the game up for you quite a bit, where the year before in 2015, we had a walk-on dentist being a place kicker. And yeah. that was a disaster. I was there for that. Um, yeah, so Johnny Townsend, in my opinion, is at least tied with Michael Dixon for how good they are. I mean, they're both pretty damn good. Uh, Michael Dixon plays for Texas. Uh, he was the Ray Guy Award, Award winner. Um, you know, again, 47.4 yards per punt. That's almost exactly the same, along of 76 yards these guys are both great punters and they'll probably be mid to late round draft picks um the only other guy and i don't know how much of you seen him was the punter for alabama jk scott is pretty highly rated he might be a late rounder they never punt <laughs> well that's that's a good point yeah yeah i i mean again you know uh those are the type of things when you're trying to look at a team and you think of all the studs on defense and just the you know the skill position guys and the coaching and the big games it's like look at the punter yeah nothing stood out in me from being bad or great so yeah and and to be honest the only free agent that is on the market now that market king was swept up uh would be donnie jones who had told the eagles that he was retiring and then since changed his mind um i mean he's pretty good he's no great shakes though uh i mean so let me ask you what is the impact on philly's cap his ability to resign with anybody by pulling a move like that I don't know what the impact on the cap is. I, I assume that if you retire, you're, there's no dead cap money, right? I mean, it's, there's nothing – I don't think a team should be punished if a player retires and then – Yeah, I, I, I'm asking. I don't know because it's – I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I mean, how often has it happened? I mean <laughs> – Not that quickly. You James know, James Harrison guys. retired for a year and then came back the next year, I believe, right? Right. So, that, seems, I mean, that sounds like a different scenario. Yeah. Well, it totally is, yeah. Yes, I don't know. Um, Donnie Jones certainly uh, a possibility, and I would think that if they were to bring in a free agent, an undrafted free agent or a late round draft pick punter, that they would also sign somebody other than Austin Recco to compete with him. That would be my yeah, thought. I, I like the philosophy last year. What we did. Uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to the, the place kicking. Yeah. It's like having guys push in preseason. There's no. Shame in it and all. There's no damage done. You know, I, I, I would be, you know, I, I think they did the right thing. They cut the guy about the week before the last game to get a chance to another job somewhere. Absolutely. I think if everybody knows what's going in, you know, I, I think that's, you know, competition makes you better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have a problem with the Giants using a late round draft pick if they were able to get one through some sort of trade or something like that, using it on a punter because. In general, this team needs a punter that can kick the ball. And I mean, in Brad Wing's own words himself, he said, I need to kick the fucking ball better. Well, I'll tell you what it does. It's not necessarily his results of what he did. It changes the philosophy of your play calling and your game planning. Sure. If you don't have the confidence that a guy can do something, it's going to change what you're going to do on, you know, 
third and four from the you know thirty five or something or you know the forty five. You know, do I do I have confidence that this guy can pooch punt? Do I have confidence this guy can cough and corner it? And if you don't, it's like you know you're making some other some potentially wacky decisions you normally would. Yeah, yeah, going for it on fourth and three or some shit like that. And and I mean that really speaks to place kicking. And I think the the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots have. And to a certain extent, the Raiders had had um, probably one of the biggest advantages in just having a, such an automatic kicker from far away. I mean, it's not even fair. I mean, you knew that you had to stop Dallas at the 45-yard line or, 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 I mean, you could guarantee them putting points on the board. I mean, Let's be honest. Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott because he's got three things around him. The best offensive line in football could be the best running back in football and then the best place kicker in football. Absolutely. You, you don't have to put him out there, you know, exposed to do anything you don't want him to do because you have all of these, you know, support staff around him and things you don't have to, you know, you don't have to win you any games. You know, it's not fair to Dak to call him just a game manager, but, you know, he's more than that. But you, for a young guy to kind of come into a system and to grow at a nice pace, it's nice to have that. And, and place kicking is one of those. Absolutely. I mean, when you know that you only have to get to the 40, 35 yard line and you're almost guaranteed points, I mean, you can play that field position game. If you get stopped at the 45, all right, fine, punt it. All we have to do is stop them here. We can keep flipping the field. And all Dak has to do is get one first down, two first downs, and we're putting points on the board. I mean, it's it's almost like cheat codes. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and I mean, to a certain extent, New England's got the same deal. I mean, you know something? Go back to your little tyke, Grump. Those first two Super Bowls they won were last-second field goals. Yeah. They haven't blown out anybody in a Super Bowl. Everyone's well, been true. like a last-second win. So, and <clears throat> It's because they have a rock of a kicker. Vinatieri, Gajkowski. And, and, all right, so let's bring this full circle to the Giants. How did you feel about Aldrich Roses? Um, I feel that there are enough average kickers out there that you shouldn't have to rely on a guy learning is, you know, I, I think you gave him a year to see if he could develop into something. I, I, I it's not like, well, he's a left-handed pitcher and there's not many of those guys and we're going to just groom him and he's going to get good. Um, the, the, the success failure ratio line is so thin on this team that we can't afford to have, you know, a kickoff out of bounds after we just scored or blowing a 33-yard field goal. Or in this day and age with the move back. Extra the missed extra point, yeah, extra sure. Point. Missed extra points. Uh, I, I just um, – I think it's one of those positions now because the gap in pay is not that great between a Rosas and a – well, Janikowski before he got cut. But it's not as great where there's no reason to gamble on a young guy because what are you really getting? What's the What's the delta? What's that real advantage? Of having a guy that pans out, a guy who's, you know, forty-four of forty-seven for, uh, you know, hitting extra points, supposed to forty-five out of forty-seven or something. Yeah, and and Algerosis was pretty shaky. I mean, color me unimpressed. I, I, not not that I had a huge problem with him, and I think if it were a normal season, I would have been more pissed off about it. Had had the team not fallen apart and there been, it's sort of like the tea kettle going off. But the whole house is on fire. You know I mean? think he's back. I think he's back if Reese and uh, and what's her name are back. Oh sure, yeah. 
Yeah, I think with a new regime, I think it's a clean house, and that's a very easy – that's an easy one to throw to the uh, masses and say, shitty kicker, gone. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean not as not as quickly as Brad Wing, but he also wasn't getting paid nearly as much as Brad Wing was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit more about Eddie Pinheiro. <laughs> Eddie Pinheiro is the first place kicker I have ever seen where people chant his name before every extra point. The guy was a folk hero in Florida. Perfect, you know, time and place because, like, like I alluded to before, before um, Jim McElwain basically poached him from Alabama, we had a walk-on dentist kicking, and that was not good. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it looked like curling more than it looked like kicking. <laughs> so, so, so Eddie Pinheiro gained internet fame. He he wasn't even playing football at junior college when he a video of him kicking a seventy-seven yard field goal went viral yeah yeah i actually remember when when florida got him i remember seeing yeah, that video it, that whole story yeah it was the first um it was the first guy that mcawing went after after the sec game and we lost because we we made the sec game bama destroyed us he went out his first recruiting visit because he's like oh, we got to fix the special teams game and it was a, a viral video of him in a car with pinero driving around and then he flipped from bama to florida and uh he was the most valuable Gator probably for the last two years. I mean, just, you know, it's a, a guaranteed lock that was a touchback on a kickoff. That is not a guarantee in college. That's not even a guarantee in football. I mean, we, we heard all year about how Aldrich Rosas was this big leg. And I don't know that he had I, – I don't have the numbers right in front of me, so I apologize for this being more visceral than knowledgeable. But I don't remember seeing a ton of touchbacks last year. I would say just the average amount. And I remember seeing a lot when it got colder and the wind started swirling too. Yeah. I remember some going out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, you know, you look at the numbers, they're they're close to NFL numbers. 2016, he went 20 of tw- 21 of 25 with three from over 50 yards. I mean, those are great numbers. Last year, 17 of 18 with a long of 50 yards. So, and, and I mean... Brutal, he had a brutal miss in the LSU game that probably cost us the game, but, you know... Nobody's perfect, and I think uh, you know that was a tough one. But, you know. yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. I, ideally, yeah. you have you have a guy who's putting up points for you. I and... wouldn't call him a choke. I wouldn't call him a choke artist because that was like early third quarter. One of those. Well, you can't blame something at you know thirty five plays earlier cost you the game type yeah. of thing. If you missed a last second kick, all right, then we can you know have that remember discussion. More, yeah. but if you don't like the kid because he's a little cocky. You're going to point to that and say he cost us the game. That was not the case. Yeah. Um, some other kickers. I, I mean, would you would you would you spend a draft pick on him? I would. I mean, a low level pick. I mean, I I I would consider a draft pick on Townsend too. But we're talking if we had extra picks. Does it make sense to have to draft a guy like him who probably will make your roster and probably start, or someone that's like a very long shot? Sixth receiver that we're going to talk a lot about in August and we'll never hear from again in September. I'm with you there. Um, in fact, I would even say like I would use a, a late fifth round pick on him because exactly like you said, are you going to use? I know you need to build the depth on this team, but do you need a guy who might be a special teams contributor and you know whatever, or are you going to get a guy who is probably going to take the starting spot and roll with it and be an upgrade over what you had last year at a point, a, a position that scores points, no less. Usually the leading scorer on a team. Uh, so 
I mean, again, if you end up losing, you know, three guards due to injury, are you going to turn to the guy you drafted in the fifth round this year? Or are you probably going to sign somebody off the street anyway? So I, uh, I'm with you. <laughs> we kind of did that with Chai Wheeler last year, didn't we? Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think anybody thought he was going to play last year. I think they kind of, out of necessity, he had to play. Um, bringing it back to kicking, though, uh, there there are a couple others that are that are pretty good. Uh, only one that I'd probably, only one other one that I would probably consider, uh, in the draft and not as an undrafted free agent, and that's Daniel Carlson from Auburn. Um, another big leg, went twenty three of thirty one in twenty seventeen for fifty four yards. Um, if you're if you're not really a college football fan, and if you want to, you know, study the place kicking position, always watch Auburn, always watch Tennessee. They always seem to have these kickers. Tennessee for punters, also. I feel like there's been 35 Colquitts that have come out <laughs> from like 1983 to to today. I don't know if, how many kids that that family's had, but they're all decent punters and or kickers. So. It doesn't surprise me that another guy from Auburn's kind of coming out of the pike, and they all nail their last last second kicks against Florida too. <laughs> it just sounds like sour grapes coming out of your mouth, fuckers. <laughs> yeah, um, there's another guy from Miami, Michael Badgley. He's got decent numbers. Uh, I don't know that I consider him for the draft itself, but as an undrafted free agent, for sure, uh, definitely could push Aldrich Rose's first starting spot. Let me ask you, Grump, uh, undrafted free agent. Wh- everybody what are we talking about as far as numbers cap numbers for a guy like let's say a guy like you know like the kicker from Auburn he doesn't get drafted but we talk to him right after and we sign him league minimum I mean probably but you know what's funny is I don't know this for sure but I know uh the draft spot in which you've been taken dictates your rookie salary and uh and I believe that's only for the first couple rounds and then after I think maybe the fourth round, you're pretty much free to take whatever. Uh, undrafted free agents, on the other hand, though, um, I don't think there's any restrictions on what they can and can't make. Because, you know, there's this post-draft mad scramble of people picking up the phone and calling all these guys that... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I wasn't saying there was a restriction on, like, what's the max? I was saying, what would you think they would spend? Expect, like, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Because of this mad scramble, this is important. So because of that mad scramble, the offers start go- going crazy. Um, because now you're not spending capital on them in terms of assets. You're spending capital like capital on them. So and you that- can add some guarantees in there. And, and there was a big story about how much the Giants offered Chad Wheeler. I think he was one of the highest paid undrafted free agents last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think he was. Yeah, I mean, pe- people can check that out and correct me. I might be wrong, but but th- there is a fluctuation, a, a, probably a large fluctuation there in terms of what those guys make because of that. Well, let me ask you a question, Grump. Factoring in what we have allocated for first round, second round, our you know our our eight draft picks or whatever, how much cap space do we have left right now? Under ten million, but I think more than five million. It's so you know I I keep seeing changing reports, and then they're all they all have the caveat after it, like, but this isn't including this, or the cap is fluid, and blah blah blah. So the main thing I usually go by is I see how much room there is based on whatever report, and I remember a line I heard that teams can always fix the cap when it when as long as they're under it, they can always manipulate the cap to make things work. But what they they worry more about is how much money they're actually spending. Um, that's, that's what I've heard. So as long as we're under it, I feel like for a guy like an undrafted free agent, it's not an issue. 
But if you're a team like the Giants or you're a team like New England and you have, you know, vaults worth of money, it doesn't really matter as much. I would say that is correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, only other thing, Zach Diossi is our long star, uh, a long snapper. Mark uh, Herzlick is the backup. Um, you know, Sam Huff over there. Just do <laughs> Play, playing tight end, playing linebacker. Yeah, you know something? They're kind of like umpires. You don't hear about them. They're doing their job. So, mm-hmm. um, there there were three guys I checked out. I don't really know much about long snapping. Uh, Tanner Carew from Oregon looked pretty good. Ike Powell from Auburn also really good. My favorite of them all, based on his accuracy and velocity with his uh, long snaps and the way he got into his stance, was Hunter Bradley from Mississippi State. He also had the fastest forty time of the ones I watched. So. You know, that's one of the things about Zach Diossi that I think is undervalued is that he's usually the first guy there after snapping the ball. Um, if not, then he's within the top three, which is impressive. Sure. That's something you can count on, too. As far as, I mean, you know, Zach Diossi the last couple of years has still been just as spot on as he always has, but I would say that has been a little bit more dinged up than he had been. He's getting along in the two. He was drafted in 2007. I've, I've heard reports of how not wonderful Mark Herzlick is at long snapping. It's more of a in the pinch kind of thing. Uh-huh. You know, might be something they consider as an undrafted free agent to take a long snapper. I don't know. We don't know the extent of Zach Diossi's body. We'll see. <laughs> I've not checked out his body. No, <laughs> I have met him though. I have a picture. Now <laughs> it's his body. <laughs> he's tall. Like tush. He's 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 fucking tall. He's I think he's six <laughs> four. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for our special team. So next week we're gonna have our draft preview episode where we're gonna kind of discuss our thoughts, strategies, scenarios. Yeah, um, this might be very structured or very free flowing based on how we're feeling and what news. Like, well, let's do this right now. Between now and next week's episode, do you think there'll be a trade? As of right now, I'm leaning towards, yes, I think the Giants are going to trade. I do think that the front office, the scouts are split on what's, what they like, um, and I think they're considering all possibilities. There's been a report that there's a, quote, framework for a deal with the Bills, um, and that makes sense, you know, sort of like – what would you say if I offered you this for your pick? And it was like, I would say that I would consider that. And like, okay, I'll talk to you on draft night. Yeah. Um, My next question would be, do you feel that said trade or any trade will happen before we have our next episode? Or do you think that'll be something that happens draft night? I seriously doubt that it'll happen before our next episode. It might happen draft night, draft day, or the night before. Or 30 um, seconds after we hit upload. <laughs> that would be... Um, the only thing that would derail that is if some other move is made in the draft around that area. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if, for instance, Buffalo then trades with Denver, and now they're picking fifth or some shit like that. Now now it's going to screw everything up. And I, Or if I, Cleveland gets out of one, for example. or Sure. I mean, or, are, if, or if Cleveland trades up to two. Of any team being there. Yeah. Well, Cleveland could certainly trade with the Giants and just get go right off the bat, just go quarterback running back or quarterback guard. I could be. I mean, again, we do not know no. what anybody thinks. We, you know, we could be so far off the scent that they think that, you know, uh, any one of those quarterbacks is, you know, the future. And, we, you know, they're doing a great job of hiding it. 
I will say one thing though. I made a cut bet with my cousin Andy, big Jet fan, that in four years, no more than two of the five starting, the top five quarterbacks drafted will be starting. Oh, I believe that. No more than yeah. two. Yeah. I believe he that. He thinks like four of them are, and I'm like, no way. No more than two. I think you there's know, I a think- there's a big chasm in in evaluators on or whether this is the rebirth of the 2004 NFL draft where a bunch of quarterbacks came out or if this is just all horseshit. And I'm in the the category that these guys are overblown. Yeah, but also the Lamar Jackson thing is always out there. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, somebody might just be over anxious to take a guy like him based on what Deshaun Jackson did last – Deshaun Watson did last year. You know, and it might be just one of those copycat picks or, you know, it's so enticing. You know, it's – if you're committed to running an offense that fits his skill set, you know, and you build your offense around it, you build your your line the block around what he does best and you get – you know, you could change the culture of your team. You could be one of those where, you know, everybody's buying jerseys for your team because you're the hip, you know, the hip team and stuff. Mm-hmm. And don't think that there are teams out there that desperately need a, a, a makeover. I just don't think the Giants are one of those teams that, and I'm not saying this word to disparage uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't think where the team looks for a. Uh, a makeover. I don't think we're gimmicky. I agree with that. I'm not. I'm not against the idea. I just think the the idea of bringing in Dave Gettleman, Pat Shermer, yeah, they want stability. They want a proven formula. They don't want risky. They don't want gimmicks. They don't want tricks. This isn't Andy Reid. Uh, they yeah. want the the proven formula. They, they want, want some old school. Yeah, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you build it right, that can work. I mean, you you can be old school with have in the modern NFL. It can be done. You know, if Evan Ingram becomes that tight end we think he can be, that's a modern NF, uh, NFL tight end. Could fit in a traditional NFL set. So I don't know. I mean, I am I, every day I go back and forth what we're going to do. You know, trade Barkley, take a quarterback, trade. I, I I'm not going to be pissed off by anything. I'd be very honest. I wouldn't be pissed if we traded with the Jets and flipped. I wouldn't be pissed if we traded out of the first round. I, you know, there's so much this team has to fix, and nothing stands out as the beacon of this is the can't miss. So, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, for all of our thoughts and ramblings, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. And the episodes are all on iTunes and SoundCloud. Really appreciate any five-star ratings and comments you might have. Um, if you have trouble finding it, it's just Just Giants. And um, you can even just follow Just Giants Pod on Twitter, and all the episodes are linked there. Yeah, I guess your live tweeting of the, the pics, you're going to do that on both your personal Twitter and on Just Giants? Nah, uh, yeah, correct. Okay, cool. Uh, I unfortunately next Friday will be in the air, so if I have if the shitty GoGo Wi-Fi service works, you will hear from me. If not, you will have a Donald Trumpian string of rants when I land. <laughs> so you can find me as always at the Cranky Fan, where uh, when you have a two and thirteen baseball team and a shit show of a spring game and no Knicks in the playoffs, it's lightning or bust right now. So bear with us. <laughs> Hopefully, you have a lot of fun things to talk about with the draft. Yeah, let's hope. 
All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.